Now you should finish what you started. That verse from 2 Corinthians 8:11 was what I read the day I almost quit on my dream of writing a book. Well, we're dedicating this month to finishing strong on our talk therapy episodes and today's guest will inspire you to keep going through life lessons and getting her black belt. That's right, you need to get excited, my friends, because it's a fun episode here on Real Talk with Rachel. And if you're new, welcome. My name is Rachel Gilbert, and I am a therapist on a mission to bridge the gap between faith and therapy. Tune in on Mondays for short talk therapy episodes, always 15 minutes or less. And every other Wednesday, we share guest interviews with people I hand select to speak into your life. These episodes are meant to be educational, not a replacement for your therapist. Stick around until the end of today's show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Before we hop into today's episode, did you know I offer several free resources on my website? In fact, if you just go up to the freebies tab, there's a drop-down menu there. You can select all the fun things. One of my favorite is our monthly therapist thoughts, and it's not your average newsletter. Just once a month, I share a personal note from me you can't find anywhere else on the internet. I share my favorite finds, podcast updates, and a free therapy resource. So go to rachelgilbert.com, click that freebies tab, and then click the therapist thoughts to join the community. Well, I first heard today's guest speak at a women's conference at my church. It's been over a decade ago, and I've been following her ministry ever since. So I was thrilled to introduce you all to her. Holly Wagner and her husband, Philip, are the senior founding pastors of Oasis Church, a growing multicultural church in Los Angeles. They've been married for over 38 years. They love life and enjoy spending time with their two adult children and four grandchildren. Holly's passionate about seeing the church grow strong and relevant to the culture surrounding it, and for women to become who God designed them to become. She founded She Rises, formerly God Chicks, and has empowered thousands of women around the world. Holly has appeared on many television shows and is currently one of the hosts of TBN's Better Together. She's written several books. Her newest is Find Your Brave, an honest look at navigating storms, and has encouraged the thousands who have read it. Please help me welcome Holly to the show. Well, hello, Holly. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here in person. <laughs> it's way more fun in person. It is. I'm a, I'm a people-y person, so it's way more fun to see the people. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I um, even when I'm not in person, I have to have the video on because mm -hmm. I need to see people. Yes. Like, I don't know. See the expression, see the eyes, all, yeah. the, all the things. Yeah. I read people. Like, oh, I can't help well, it. there you go. I'm like, it's fun, though. I'm like, I don't mean that in a creepy way. It's just yeah. what I do. So, yep. okay. What's a fun fact about you I did not just read in your professional bio? Um, well, a couple of things, maybe. So, yo hablo español muy bien porque vivo en Venezuela. So, I am fluent in Spanish. Oh. There you go, because I grew up in South America. So there's that. That's very fun. <laughs> I love it. And um, then the other thing is um, that I have a black belt in karate, <laughs> in karate. 
Okay. Those are really fun. Like, I don't even know if anybody can <laughs> compare with those. People always, usually when I ask that question, they're like, um, I don't know. I'm double jointed. And then I have to be like, well, you know, double jointed isn't actually a thing because my husband's a chiropractor and that really drives him crazy whenever people call themselves double jointed. He's like, there's no such thing as having Then what is it that they, call, that they call double jointed? What is that? He has a fancy word for it that, of course, I can't remember right now, but it's essentially that your joint can move past the point that it should be able able to move past. Got it. That's true, but it's not having two joints. Got it. Because double jointed would mean, oh, I have two joints there. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Good point. Well, look, I learned something already and it's been like 60 seconds. Yeah. Our listeners are like, oh my, where is this conversation headed? (laughs) Okay. We'll bring it back in. I need to hear more about the black belt. Okay. That's very intriguing to me. So um, when my son was, who's now in his thirties, but when he was uh, maybe about six or seven, he wanted to take karate. And so I thought, okay, so he needed to burn off lots of steam and energy. If you have young boys, you do know that's true. And so I started taking him to karate and I'm sitting out there with all the, you know, the other parents in the waiting room, waiting, looking through the window. And, and I'm looking at all these brochures of breaking bricks and boards and punching through things. And, and then I'm watching him in there and I start realizing he's having all the fun. And I'm sitting out here and I thought, I want to do this. I actually want to do this. And one of the reasons for me is because I, I'm a really good starter. Like I can start anything with a smile and confetti and a big hurrah. I wasn't always a great finisher and there's a lot of reasons I would just, you know, get bored or inconvenient, all the things. And then I would quit what I started and I thought, okay, I'm going to start this. So the next week I show up in that karate class with my you know, stiff little white belt and stiff little white uniform and kind of began taking karate. And um, for months, we learned how to fall. And I thought, wait a minute, this was not in the brochure. I know where did I see this? This is really boring. We learned how to fall to the back and get up, how to fall to the side and get up, how to fall to the front and get up. I just like, ah, it was so boring. And we learned how to block punches. And I just kept thinking, when's the exciting stuff going to happen? So um, I was really thinking about quitting because, again, it was boring. And everybody would have understood this is boring. You don't need to do this. But nope, I'm going to keep going. And besides that, I could see all the belts on the wall. You know, they they would put them in order, like white, then yellow, then orange, then green, then blue, then red, and all the different ones all the way to black. Nope, I see that black belt. So then I kept going. And... um, now, maybe about a year and a half into it, and my son decides he'd really rather just focus on basketball. So he's not going to be going to karate. So now it's a real inconvenience because nobody's going, and I'm there three days a week, and I still have a job, and we're still leading a church, and I have a daughter and family. It's like all, you know, big life. And it became really inconvenient to just get myself there. And again, that's, I, w- I wanted to quit then too because. And everybody almost would have really understood that one. This is not inconvenient. Now you can pick it up later. Nope, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to push through this. And so now I'm, you know, into it maybe, uh, I don't know, two and a half years or so. And it's just um, now we're starting to fight. And I start realizing, whoa, this is painful. And I came back with bruises and broken toes. I've broken my toes so many times and muscles to just like so the pain I mean I've never to be honest been in as good a shape in my life as I was doing that my core was seriously strong but it's a lot of work to get there and a lot of pain I just thought why am I doing this how can I show up at 
speaking events like bruises, this is not a good look. And so, uh, oh, I wanted to quit again, and uh, but I didn't. And, uh, you know, kind of kept going. And then it, you know, just started getting really hard because now you're memorizing so many things. And um, they call them forms or katas. And it's just uh, so many things you have to memorize. They're considered imaginary opponents, imaginary fights against multiple opponents. So that's what these is almost like a dance, but they're fights. And there's dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of these that you have to memorize. And so I'm working on them and all the high kicks and breaking through boards. It, it's become really hard. And um, again, I just thought, why am I doing this? But I kept going. And so four and a half years later, I'm testing for my black belt now. And um, I'm in this room with this table of you know, men and women who have black belts. And so I go, I spend about two hours just going through all of the katas and forms and kicks and, and physical fitness things. So you're pushing through all of those things. And now I'm dripping sweat. I'm exhausted. So it's been about two and a half hours of just pure work. I'm exhausted and I'm trying not to throw up so exhausted. And then this is when the head guy says to me, he goes, okay, now get your gear on. You're going to fight. I'm like, wait, what? because I, and I wanted to cry. So I just turned, I remember turning around, walking to the wall and I knew I had to get my gear on and I just was trying not to cry because I had nothing in me. I was so exhausted and dripping sweat. And so I'm putting my gear on and I get up and I have to fight this guy who's another black belt. I don't have to beat him. I just have to fight him. And within, you know, a few minutes, you know, I get, my feet get swept up under me and I end up on the floor, but instinctively, I get up because I had spent years learning how to get up, right? And then all of a sudden, I, he threw a punch and I blocked a punch. He tried to kick and I blocked a kick. And then I kind of engaged in the fight and certainly did not win. But I managed to fight him. And I realized that all of those things, you know, I've been working on for years, the muscle memory kicked in, right? When my brain was tired, what had been put in me, you know, kind of came out. And when they put that black belt around me at the end, when they tied that around me, interesting, the the head teacher, he said, well, congratulations, you have now mastered the basics. And I'm like, whoa, the basics. <laughs> I thought it was a little more than that, but no, the basics. And so, um, so for me, it actually did, uh, obviously the, just the physical part was great, but it actually did more for how I saw myself because I could finish something now. Right. So then when I had to finish a book or work on a really horrible season of a marriage or whatever, you know how to get through it because I, I know what it is to push through something hard. So that was the long version of that story. <laughs> that was amazing. And my spirit is just thrilled right now because as I prepared for this interview, I always just try to pray over upcoming interviews. I'm going, okay, Lord, what do you want us to talk about? And he highlighted the black belt. He's like, ask her about the black belt. And I'm like, okay, God, but what? <laughs> That's weird. Like, I'm not a black belt, so I don't even know which direction to take this, which funny enough, I actually have a memory of when my son was little and doing karate, I had that same thing of like, I would like to do that one day. And then I did grad school instead. But so I'm like, maybe I still, maybe this is like, maybe it's still there for me, but what, what, that's another day, another story. Anyhow, you've already just said so many things that I want to dive into deeper. I was writing down questions as you um, were talking. First of all, I love that you said, because I know that listeners can relate to this, that you're a starter. And I've heard people talk about that before of, I think, can, and you speak into this because I'm not a starter. I'm one of those people, 
I can hang on for too long, right? You know, like, oh, okay, yeah, it's time to go now. Yeah, your time here is done. And you got to kick me along. And so, but I know people in my life that are starters. And in many ways, that can be an awesome thing, yeah. right? Like, oh, yes, like you're the, you're the get in there, you're the visionaire, and then you pass it along. And, and that's can be an awesome thing. But then in this situation, you, the Lord knew he needed to teach you also how to finish. Right. So can you speak into that for the listener who maybe relates more to being a starter or even might relate to more like me, like kind of can stay in one place for too long? Like, yeah, speak into that a little yeah. bit. Well, and, and actually you said it really well. It's not, um, I mean, like we each have a God given personality, Yeah. right? You're not changing your personality. But with each personality, whether you're looking at it through the lens of the Enneagram or the DISC or Myers-Briggs or however you're going to look at it through, right? Each one has the strength and the weakness, like a shadow side and a strong side, right? And so for me, the, um, you know, I, I, it's a great thing to be a starter because that means I can look at something that nobody else is looking at and I can make it go. But I'm also going to get bored halfway through there. And so for me, it was learning to those things that I started, can I finish them? And I didn't realize then the lessons that would come later, right? So then when I, I also started grad school, right? So when you start grad school, you, I wanted to be able to finish it. Or when I started a book, I wanted to be able to finish it. Or when I said yes to that man and married him, I wanted to push through the hard so that we could celebrate our silver and gold anniversaries, all of that, right? So to me, it was, I had to learn it with something that was fun and hard. (laughs) So that's what karate was. But I think it's just to your point, it's, there's not a, nobody's wrong, yeah. Right. And so I also think on a team or um, in a friendship circle, sometimes I think we discount people who are a little bit different. So in my friendship circle, I've got the really the executors, the ones who can follow through, the ones who challenge me. And then I'm the one that goes, hey, let's get this going. I'm throwing the confetti and making stuff happen. Right. So you kind of need both. Yeah. And um, so I just think it's that's, I guess, like, the picture, actually, I guess the picture I would paint is that you need both of those kind of people in your world. Yeah. And where I'm weak, somebody else is usually stronger. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Not that I didn't have to work on that. Yeah. To be fair. Yeah. But. Yeah. And there's some things that you start that you're the only one who can finish. Like right. you said, your marriage, nobody else can finish that for you. Right. Right. I can't pass that along. Right. And so it, uh, that's such a, a great point. And I, I've also noticed, I think starting something is way more exciting. And yes. it's yeah. the in-between even finishing it is more exciting than the in-between. I think about, I've only ran run one marathon. Um, that was just a goal that God had put on my heart. And it was a fun, very, ended up being a very spiritual experience. But I noticed when I ran this marathon in the beginning, oh, we're all hyped up, right? right. I mean, we're ready to take on the world. And then the in-between though, especially, but they say between like mile 18 to 24 is like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? And I feel like, I want to bring this back around to spiritually speaking. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of people in their faith right now that are going, I started, I gave my life to the Lord, but they're in that mile 18 going, what am I doing here? Like, are we sure, sure we want to keep going on this race? And is this the direction I want to keep going? This is really hard right now. But then the good news is, 
at on finish lines, that then the cheerleaders come back around, right? right but right. you only have cheerleaders in the very beginning and the very end. Right. But that in between is like, oh my gosh, how are we going to get through? So any word of encouragement to the person who's in the middle? Yeah. So for me, it would be like if the, back to the yeah. karate analogy is so it's the blue and the red belt, you know, mm-hmm. so there's all the different versions of those kind of belts. So here you are, mile 18, you or you've got the red belt. Mm-hmm. And um for, I think for me, keeping where I was headed in mind. Yeah. And interesting thing, both for you, like when you went to grad school and me too, and even this black belt, when I finished it, he said, congratulations, you've mastered the basics. Well, you think about what is a graduation called? It's called commencement. It's the beginning. Yeah. Right? And so I guess that's the question even for all of us who are headed on this journey, even when you get where you think you want to get, it's still the beginning of yeah. something else. Right? Until we cross our final finish line and meet Jesus, like we're, it's a lifelong journey. And so I guess that's what I would say to the person that just feels in the waiting moment, stuck in that middle season, is that you just keep taking one step in front of the other. The book of James is a really practical book just about how to do life as a believer. And in James 1 verse 2, it says, this is the verse that's really annoying. And it says, count it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It says, let perseverance finish its work. So then you'll be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So when I think about that verse, I realize that maturity, which is the goal for all of us, doesn't have as much to do with how old we are or how much we know. But rather, according to that verse, maturity is about what we persevere through. And so I think now for me, as someone who's been walking with Jesus for over 40 years, so what is concerning to me is that there perhaps is a generation who at the first hint of trouble, they give up. They don't persevere through that. And if that's, that would be my encouragement, I think, is that when you are in the middle, you just keep persevering. You just take the next step and you trust that God will, will meet you along the way. He's with us every step of the way. And you pray for people to come alongside to walk with you, but don't quit because the stakes are higher. Yeah. Right. There's a generation looking to me to hand them a baton, right? Christianity is a relay race. So the emphasis is on the baton, not on me, but my job is to hand that baton off. And so I have to finish my race. So does everybody, right? Until Jesus comes back, we all have to hand a baton off to someone. So don't, don't quit. Yeah. And what you just said there about perseverance makes me think about back to black belt, how the first thing they taught you is how to fall. How to fall. And you're kind of like, really? Yeah, I was totally really. Really? (laughs) This is what I signed up for. And I do feel like in faith that, can be us sometimes too of like, wait, we're just learning how to fall and get back up again. Like, you know, like we're learning that the perseverance essentially. But what also resonates with me about you just saying that of what you're passing on to the next generation too, is that I know for me, I've probably learned the most from people when I watched them fall and then watch them get back up. 100%. Right? I didn't learn the most when they were in their mountaintop moments. I mean, that was exciting. Like, yay, I'm excited for you and cheering for you. That's exciting. But it was when they fell down and they didn't lose their faith, though, when they fell down. They're like, right. wait, I still know who I am. I still know where I'm going. Getting right. back up. I'm going again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, there's a, 
a pretty uh, annoying chapter in the Bible, Proverbs 31, right? And so um, there's some challenging verses in there. And one of them talks, it says, she opens her mouth with kindness. She opens her mouth. And some of that, the actual breakdown of that word is wisdom, kindness. It's like the God wisdom. And so I think to your point, you learn from people who have navigated the hard, right? And so to me, when I even think about that particular verse, she opens her mouth with wisdom. It's like the wisdom learned by Proverbs 5 says actual and costly experience. So what have I, what mistakes have I made and how can I open my mouth and share them so that you don't make them? Yeah. Like what, how can I help you navigate it? And, and sadly, sometimes I think in the, sometimes in Christianity, we have this pressure to wear this mask where we don't let people see the real us, where we don't. So then we don't tell the truth about our experiences or our past because we start to be concerned with what you're going to think about me if you knew I was an addict before, or if you knew I struggled with whatever, any kind of addictions, or if you knew my marriage was really problematic. It's like we're, we're afraid to share some of that because then we're afraid if you're going to change what you think about me. And so then we don't tell the truth. And so then we just give this, oh, how you doing? Hi, fine. I'm good. Now, I'm not saying share your life with every human, but there are times when you have to share what you've navigated through or how God has helped you overcome, because that's actually what's going to help people. To your point, you don't learn from people who stay on the mountaintop. You learn from the ones who've navigated the valleys. And oftentimes people aren't really willing to open their mouth. Yeah, I heard um, my friend Nancy Alcorn say this one time. She said, your past uh, can be used to give someone else a future. Mm. But I just want to add to that. But only if you open your mouth. Yeah. Right? Only if you're willing to share your failures, your mistakes, um, the things you've learned so that you can help someone else get up as well. Yeah, that's so good. I also love how you uh, more than once today in our interview said, talked about an annoying verse in the Bible. Oh, yeah. I think people need to hear that because I am noticing a theme, myself included, that we want to go, ooh, let's skip the annoying verses. Let's let's pick and choose. And they're annoying because they're convicting, right? Right. They're like, oh, okay, it's speaking truth. So I love I like Well, and it should, right? Mm -hmm. If if we believe that the Bible is this is what's described of it, right? Is that his word is like a two-edged sword, it divides the soul and the spirit. Like, so you have to actually let the word of God do surgery on us, yeah. work in us. And so that means you can't just read through it casually. Sometimes I feel like we get on these Bible reading plans and we're like, check, I read my Bible today, but did you let it speak to you? It's yeah. alive. Yep. So when you read it, what did you say? I'd rather people read three verses and actually let them speak to them than on this quest to read the Bible through in a month. It's just like, stop. Yeah. Let it speak to you. It's alive. So what is it saying to you? (laughs) Random. I remember um, one time, I don't remember, a few years ago, and I was on this journey through uh, the Proverbs. I was reading a proverb a day, which is helpful because there's 31 Proverbs, right? So I was reading one a day. And I can't remember if it was Proverbs 16 or 17. I don't remember which one it was. But I was really trying to let it speak to me, right? There's so much wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And I was reading through it in the message translation this particular year. And I remember coming upon this verse in Proverbs, and it says, answering before listening is both stupid and rude. Hmm. Now, I could have just skipped past that. But instead I said, do I do this? And I felt the spirit of God say, yes, you do. You're such a good talker, but you're not as good of a listener. And not just with my husband. I mean, I definitely that with him, but even with sometimes with people, 
right? Not listening. So again, that's just an example of let the, the words alive. So let it, let it challenge us, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay. You said something else earlier when you're talking about your black belt that I, it jumped out to me. You said that he would have you do imaginary fights against multiple opponents. I love that imaginary fights thing, because again, I feel like that's very parallels with spiritual. Tell me how you, you see that in our, our spiritual walk with the Lord too, and our faith. Yeah. Um, I think we forget that like earth isn't our home, right? Earth is our assignment. Heaven is home. And so while I'm here, I've been trusted with this moment in history and to simply populate heaven, right? To encounter people, show them the love of God, you know, and, and to expand the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God never expands without a fight. We have an enemy. He's very real, very present. And, you know, his greatest weapon is a lie, I think. But we have an enemy. And so I think sometimes we forget that as we just go about our daily life. And so even Paul, when he wrote in Ephesians and he challenged in chapter six all about the armor, he said, put that armor on. He actually never said, take it off. But I feel like sometimes we think we can live out our day without the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation and the, you know, that our feet is, are shod with the gospel of peace. We forget that we actually have to live our life like that because we're going to encounter multiple fights every day, whether it's with thoughts that come our way, whether it's with words that are spoken over us, whether it's fear that tries to rise up within us. So how are we going to defeat them? And so in karate, these are choreographed fights. So you're, you know, you're throwing a punch this direction and blocking a punch this way. And so I'm sitting here acting it out for Rachel. <laughs> Sorry, you guys can't see this. Anyway, I'm giving her a karate lesson. But um, so you're fighting on all sides. And I think sometimes that's how it is in real life. I mean, I wish battles came one at a time, but they never do. They come all at once. And so how do you, how are you going to handle that? Like what is in you? You know, you and I talked before we sat down that even about that, that season of the, of the pandemic, it became the great revealer, right? It just, it messed with people. And so what was in them came out. And so I just think as believers, let's just make sure we're putting stuff in us that's godly and strong so that when the battles come, we, we don't get whooped. Yeah. We do the whooping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then this leads me perfectly into the next thing that I noticed that you said earlier, because I feel like there's different, um, I, I don't know about you, and I think also I see this in counseling. I feel like there's two different zones of Christian. Um, some people either grew up in the church, and so they're extremely familiar with all the Christianese and the sayings and all that. And then there's other people who didn't grow up in the church, and there's they just look a little different in their approach of things. Both are fine and great, but they just look different. But I feel like, especially for those of us who did grow up in the church, I'm a priest, preacher's kid. We can almost imagine for so long that sometimes we forget to actually get in the fight. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's like, I know all the stuff, but then if you're actually presented with somebody who needs to know about Jesus, we right. freeze. Right. Right. And so it brings me to when your headmaster said, okay, time to fight. And you're like, wait, what? What's happening? And you did it. Right. You passed. But I feel like some of us aren't passing right now. And yeah. I'm even saying, even for myself, this is something the Lord's been challenging me on of that boldness being in us right. that, yeah, we've imagined it so long. We've recited the verse, like we're doing all this spiritual training, but then we're not always putting it into action. No, that's good. That's very valid. Yeah. And I think sometimes for me, just 
I recently moved to the Dallas area from Los Angeles. And so in Los Angeles, where I lived for 40 you know, years or so. And in ministry, I felt like my husband and I say we felt like we were missionaries in the city because we our church was urban, like urban, urban. And now it's cool for people to come in the cities, but back then it was not. When we started the church, nobody was in the city. Everybody was fleeing for the suburbs, right? And so for me, we built this church in a very secular culture. So you were not hearing the name of Jesus. So in the, just in the culture. And so people would come into our church who were coming in with bags of drugs and handing them. We had, you know, strippers coming in who were wanting to get free from the the life that they had been a part of. And so you, you, you just, you know, as well as very wealthy celebrity people coming in who were just like confused. So we had this, this wide spectrum of people coming in, but they did not know how to act Christian. And I actually really liked that. I bet. It was so refreshing. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, again, that's where I kind of cut my teeth. So it was like, that's how I thought it was. And I've spoken at, you know, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of churches in our country. And and some, but now I live in, you know, part of the South where the Christian culture is prevalent. And so sometimes I find that harder. It's like people, they know what to do. They yeah. get into a church. They know to raise their hands. They know to pray. But I just... Do you believe what you're saying here? Yeah. So sometimes like in LA, you were either saved or you weren't. You didn't know how to act if you weren't. So, you know, back to your point, it's about, so sometimes I feel like we think our Christian culture, if you will, is going to protect us. And it's not. It's like you as an individual have to know who God says you are. You have to know what he says about you. You have to be able to lift your own sword, which is his word, and fight the fights in front of you. Nobody's going to fight some of these fights for you. You have to do it. Yeah. And so I think sometimes we've gotten a little lazy with that. And then we've gotten lazy with the picture of if you don't share the love of God, who who will? Now, here's the other thing. I also feel like sometimes we forget that sometimes we just can sow the seed and somebody else waters it. That's what the Bible talks about. And then, you know, it's God that brings the harvest, right? But you do have to be sowing seeds. And honestly, one of the simplest ways to sow seeds is just love people. Like, what can you do when he says, love your neighbor? Right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Honestly, I think we we do that. We don't love ourselves, so we're actually terrible at loving neighbor, our neighbor because we don't love ourselves. But anyway, loving our neighbor. And so that means love your neighbor. It means love whatever that neighbor is. Not the one that looks like you, acts like you, thinks like you, votes like you, believes like you. Love your neighbor. And so a practical way would be, um, is that neighbor that you have, is that a single mom and she needs food? So how about you drop some groceries on her desk? Or maybe it's a family and you should... Put gas in their car. I don't know. I just don't think loving people is that hard. Yeah. Just find out what somebody needs and love them with no agenda. Yeah. It's like build a relationship with no agenda. Just love people. Yeah. It's sad to me that the reputation that Christians have is not that. Yeah. We're, I agree. We're mainly accused of being judgmental and critical. And honestly, we deserve that reputation. Mm-hmm. I think that's the reputation that has been propagated on social media. We are, we've acted like the fool to each other. We've created division with each other. We're supposed to be, you know, Jesus' last prayer was that we would walk in unity and we're not doing that. Mm-mm. Right. And so we've created this image that we honestly have to do some work now to counter it. So I, I just think loving people is not always bringing someone to, to Jesus right away. Sometimes it's just being Jesus to them. Yeah. I've also found that nobody refuses prayer. Like if you walk up to somebody and go, hey, how can I pray for you today? They'll tell you. Yeah. It doesn't matter what they believe. They'll tell you. So 
I went on a lot of tangents there, Rach. Sorry about that. No, that was great. (laughs) It was great. And what was most refreshing about that to me, one, hearing about your church and that experience there and the, yeah, we live in the Bible Belt here. And obviously in many ways that can be great, but I've also just found myself challenging people, especially in counseling and, and even friendships of why do you believe what you believe? Like, and one of my professors once said, and it stuck with me, and she said that God doesn't have grandkids. And that just means that my reason for Christianity can't be because my mom and my daddy and their mom and their daddy did it. Like, I need my own relationship. That's right. And we do at some point have to pause and go, wait, is this me, my personal relationship with Jesus? Or am I just grabbing onto the coattail of everybody who's gone before me? And that's great that they set a foundation, but I better be the one who's like, do I believe this and and everything. So anyhow, no, that's just refreshing to hear that. And you can't love, I was just even this morning reading and one of the verses that popped out to me is that we're able to comfort people because the Lord has comforted us. That's right. And so just like you said, like if we're, how are we able to love on people if we're not one, yes, loving ourselves, but really receiving love from God. Yep. Like, there's nothing, we don't have anything to pour out of because we're just pouring out of a stick of rules and regulations and that's turning a lot of people away. So Yeah, and I think I think we've gotten very like lazy, maybe that's the word, I don't know, but about looking around and seeing people. Yeah. I think we're stuck on our phones. Yep. Like I'm so busy scrolling through Instagram at the life of somebody I'll never know. Yeah. And then God brings somebody across my path that he actually wants me to demonstrate his love to. And I'm so, I'm not paying attention. Yeah. Right. Cause I'm so distracted either with my own issues and own problems yeah. or social media, you know? So I just think lifting up our head and opening our eyes and yeah. seeing, seeing who it is that God wants us to reach is pretty crucial. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I pray and I know that this conversation has been eye-opening to the listeners and just like my heart is always that the listener says, I want to lean in further to the Lord. Like I want this conversation to make them go back to the Lord and say, we haven't talked about this in a while or open my eyes. Just like you said, how can I practically love a neighbor or how can I, whatever it might be. Um, So do you have any final words of just encouragement to kind of wrap up what we've already talked about today for them? Yeah, just just a couple of little reminders is that, um, you know, I wish I could tell you that life was mountaintop, mountaintop, mountaintop heaven, mm-hmm. but it isn't, right? In between the mountaintops are the valleys. And what I do know, however, is that fruit doesn't grow on mountaintops. Fruit grows in the valleys. Mm. So who we are is being forged and formed in those valleys. And just for all the listeners, if you're not in a valley or you, right now, then your turn's next week because that's how life is, Yeah. right? It's There are seasons of hard. And I just want to encourage you, you can get through this. You're not alone. And don't give up. Just keep reading your Bible. Yeah. <laughs> keep talking to people. And one of the best ways to, to actually get through a hard season is to take your eyes off of yourself. Listen, I'm all about self-care. Rachel helps people navigate how to heal their souls. I'm all about it. But sometimes it crosses a line and becomes very selfish. Mm-hmm. And so when our whole focus is on ourself, we're just not designed that way. And so we're supposed to be looking at how can I bring help to someone else? So if you're in the middle of a hard time, open your eyes and just see what you can do for somebody else. Even if it's as simple as buying a cup of coffee for the next guy in the Starbucks line, what is it that you can do for someone else? Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. And also, I want the listeners to know this just so they also, because I think this 
ties in with what we talked about today. You and I were talking before we hit record that I first heard you speak, I believe over a decade now at a church conference called Pink Impact. And, you know, when our paths crossed, it was encouraging. Back then, I wasn't in ministry of any kind. I was a stay-at-home mom. And now I do find myself more in ministry roles and podcast and book and counseling and all this. And it's very encouraging to me to see somebody that I saw doing this over a decade ago. And you're still fighting the I'm good fight. I'm still here. You I'm know? still here, yeah. But that's encouraging to me. Yeah. You're doing exactly, you're practicing what you preach, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm like, I want the listeners to hear that. The like, the, I didn't just meet you today. And like, obviously we didn't meet at that conference, but you influenced me over a decade mm-hmm. ago. Now here we are a decade later talking about mm-hmm. this topic. And I just, yeah, I love for people to know, hey, you're someone who practices what you preach. Like you're uh-huh. you're not just telling us this, but you're also doing it and you're in the trenches and you're passing that along. So thank you for- uh, Well, thank you. For Thanks for having me. Pushing through the middle places and <laughs> still going. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> yeah. all have some middle places. Yeah. So, sorry, guys. Yeah, it's part of life, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, where can people connect with you? So obviously if you're social media people, it's Holly Wagner LA. That's the Instagram page or sherises.com. Perfect. And those links will be in today's show notes. Well, Holly, thank you again for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It's time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show where we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. I've got some very practical things for you. And here's what I want you to do. Whenever I come up against moments where, you know, at the beginning of this show, I told you I almost quit on my dream to write a book. And I'm so glad I didn't because I carried it through to completion. The Lord was in it the whole way. If you've read it, it's, you know, that it's called Image Restored. If you haven't read it, go grab a copy. And that book is just one of the many areas of my life where I wanted to quit, even before I got really going. But I can also share with you that there have been other things in my life that I wanted to quit and I did. And some of those things, I probably quit too soon. But other things, God removed the desire from my heart. And so here's the encouragement I have for you today. And that is, first of all, start a list. And you don't have to keep a running list. If you'd like to, you can. Honestly, I kind of just do this as a one-time activity. But pull out a piece of paper if you can, or maybe even notes app on your phone you can pull up. Start a list of things that you've started. And don't let it depress you, because we've all started things. But believe me, you know how many organizing books, friends, seriously, just two days ago in the mail, I got two home edit books in the mail because I'm like determined to organize my house. Has it happened yet? No, it has not. But the books, they are there, and they are sitting on my counter. So believe me when I say, I've started lots of things. But here's the thing, we can't finish all the things and we definitely can't finish all the things well and we're not even called to finish all the things. I think sometimes we exhaust ourselves because we pick up things that God is going, "Uh, I didn't give you that to carry. Definitely wasn't my idea for you. And so go ahead and write a list of things you've started. But then next to those things, I want you to get with the Lord and say, okay, Which of these things are you calling me to finish now, later, or let it go? All right? And the Lord will show you that. If there's a now thing, like I said, for me, the book, I kept thinking, well, maybe just down the road. And he just was like, no, it's a now thing. All right? 
But then there's some later things that I have gone, okay, Lord, I'm setting this aside for now. It's still on my radar, but it's it's a later thing that he wants me to finish. And then there's some things that he says, you need to let those things go. And God is really the only one who can speak those things to our heart. And we just know, usually, it's kind of like the, you know, when we can trust our intuition. Uh, another way of saying that a professor of mine used to say is trust your gut <laughs> when you just know, okay, this is a now thing, this is a later thing, or I need to let this go. And a really cool prayer I like to pray, and I'll pray this over us today too. I submit these dreams to the Lord and I say, Father, I give you the desires of my heart. And if there are anything in there that's not from you, just remove that desire. May it not burn so strongly anymore. But Lord, if it is from you, may it grow even brighter. And he loves to answer that prayer. And I've had many dreams where they kind of just faded away. And it wasn't because I quit on them, but it was because the Lord shifted my desires to not really wanting to pursue that anymore because it wasn't from him. Okay, so don't be afraid to pray that prayer to him. And then, of course, you know, back to what Holly and I talked about, obviously, the finishing what we've started strong thing that her and I were talking about in today's episode wasn't so much about dreams of our heart. It was more just about our faith, you know, running the spiritual race that we're on. And honestly, that's something we all need to bring to completion. That is an ongoing process. So that's not something we're letting go of, but we might need to let go of how we're doing that and the the types of burdens we're putting on our back in that way. Okay. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for every single person who is sitting under the sound of my voice. I speak life over them, and I just ask that you give them revelation. Download to them ways to bring things to completion. I ask, Lord, that if there are any desires of our heart that are not from you, you just remove those. But the things that you're calling us to finish strong in, you would let those things burn with even deeper desire. We love you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, if you haven't already left a review for the show, will you please do that wherever you listen to your podcast? That just helps other people find the show, and I love to read every single one of those that come through. Well, I pray this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams, and I will see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel. Rachel.